This is the Breath of Fresh Jets podcast with Charlie Badweeny. got a great show for you today. We have some brand new coaching staff hires that were announced this week. A list of potential free agents from the San Francisco 49ers defense that may follow Robert Sala over here to the East Coast in New York. Talk about the Matthew Stafford trade, the uh, fallout from that, and what that could mean for the quarterback market moving forward. And of course, finally, preview Super Bowl 55. Let's get right into it. So Sala has really been fleshing out his defensive coaching staff this past week. He hired three new coaches he hired excuse me if i'm pronouncing this wrong uh marcond manuel as the safeties coach manuel worked with sala in seattle from 2012 to 2013 before uh before leaving to be the falcons defensive coordinator under uh, robert quinn but he was fired in 2018 and worked with the eagles last year as their db's coach and he is now our brand new safeties coach sala also hired tony odin to be a senior defensive assistant cornerbacks coach he was poached from the Niners staff, and he was the DB's coach there in, uh, in Miami from 2018 to 2019. And he also hired Mike Ruttenberg as linebacker's coach, which is another poaching from the 49ers. He was their passing game specialist, and he'll do the same thing here. He knows Sala from their time they worked together uh, in Jacksonville underneath Gus Bradley. And I got to say, somebody go get C.J. Mosley from Applebee's and tell him the Jets got a real coach and he can come back and play football again. The Jets' defense could be scary next year with Sala. Uh, I think his scheme's going to do wonders for the players that we have now and the players that will be coming in this offseason. And I think there's a, a lot of key free agents on the 49ers defense that are leaving this offseason. And the 49ers are kind of strapped for cash. They have a lot of players they have to re-sign and a lot of players they want to keep around from their Super Bowl core. So I picked out a few guys who I think are going to shake free and could potentially be coming over to the Jets to follow Sala and continue their careers. First up on the list is a name everyone should recognize. It's Richard Sherman. He's the cornerback for the 49ers. He's 33 years old, and of course he's not what he once was. He's not the shutdown corner he was in Seattle or even his first year or two in, uh, in San Francisco. But I think he could definitely come in here and be uh, a player coach type deal. He can mentor our young defensive backs. He can mentor Bless Austin, mentor Bryce Hall, Lamar Jackson, teach him how Sala's scheme works for DBs, and really just help him along because they're, they're so young and so raw. I think they all have some untapped potential that could, that could really come loose between Sala and Sherman coaching. Um, he could come as a, on a one-year deal. It wouldn't probably cost too much, maybe like one year, $7 million. But I think this would be a great pickup for the Jets, not only to help start uh, building the locker room, but he could also be serviceable for maybe another year or two in his career. Next up is Kwan Williams. He's a cornerback, age 30. He's a nickel corner, and obviously right now we have Brian Poole, but he, he's going to be a, a, an unrestricted free agent. So if, if he isn't re-signed or he, he goes elsewhere, I think uh, Williams could be a solid replacement option. Uh, Sala had this to say about Williams. Quote, the reason why everyone loves KK, especially yours truly, is the speed at which he operates and the instincts and the trigger. We call it trigger. And the way he triggers on game day and within each play, Sala said. Williams is actually uh, from New Jersey. I believe he went to Patterson High School. Could be a nice homecoming story. But, uh, yeah, definitely Williams could be a, a solid option if Poole leaves in free agency or maybe just to have another nickel corner around. Next up is an, another cornerback, Jason Verrett. 
Verrett's 30 years old, but he's a very interesting story. He was drafted in the first round of the 2014 draft to the Chargers, and he finished his rookie season on injured reserve, which would be a little bit of a foreshadowing for most of his career. In 2015, his second year in the league, he was a pro bowler, but in 2016, his third year, which was supposed to be his breakout, he tore his ACL. In 2017, he had an okay year before tearing his Achilles in training camp of 2018. He was signed in 2019 by the Niners, but missed most of the Super Bowl season with an ankle injury. And this year in 2020, when Richard Sherman was out with injury for most of the year, he had a, a really a kind of a resurgence. He had a, a great year in Salah's uh, defense and his scheme. And I, I could see maybe if, if he thinks he, he could only get better now if he were to follow him to the Jets. Uh, of the of the previous three corners I listed, I think the Jets are definitely going to sign at least two of them. Probably not all three, but but I'd be willing to bet at least two of these guys will be Jets in 2021. Next up is Kerry Hyder. He's defensive end and he's 30 years old. The Jets are in desperate need of an edge rusher, and uh, could Kerry Hyder solve our problems? It's funny. Uh, he actually started as a Jets undrafted free agent in 2014. He made the practice squad, but was cut. In 2015, he signed with the Lions, and he's actually uh, kind of making a name for himself. He had an eight-sack year, but the, the, the following season, he tore his Achilles and never really came back to form. He ended up with the Cowboys uh, two years ago, was a backup there, and then signed with the Niners this year on a one-year deal. And after the Niners lost all their, uh, their edge rushers and ends due to injury in the beginning of the season, he really stepped up, and he became a starter. He actually led the team with eight-and-a-half sacks and had a, a, just a great all-around year. I think he, would, he could also be a great one-year deal signing to mentor the young edge rushers on this team, like Jabari Zuninga, and I'm sure Joe Douglas will be drafting one or two in the draft this year. It's a big need for us. Um, Kerry Hyder, definitely a great option in free agency, and would, I'm, I'm willing to bet would, would follow solid to New York. Finally, we have uh, Jaquiski Tart. He's a free safety, and he's, he's 29 years old. So the Jets have an interesting uh, dilemma at safety this, this offseason. Marcus May is an unrestricted free agent. He just finished out his rookie contract, and he, he finished off this year with a career year. I, I believe he should be back. I really hope he is. I hope Douglas wraps him up before even free agency starts. But in the off chance that he walks, or if Ashton Davis, our, our safety we drafted last year, is not ready to start going into year two, I think uh, Tart could be a great option to plug in and play. Uh, a safety who knows Solace system and I'm sure loves to play for him could be a solid safety option if we have no other choices. So that was five free agents from the Niners who I think the Jets should absolutely target. I think we'll at least be getting three three of these guys. Specifically, I would really like Sherman, Williams, and Hyder. I think they would all be great fits for the team and, and the needs that we have right now and could mentor the young guys it's because our defense is just so damn young, man. You're listening to the Breath of Fresh Jets podcast with Charlie Badman. In other league news, uh, on Saturday night, it was announced that Matthew Stafford's being traded to the Rams for Jared Goff, a 2021 third rounder, a 2022 first rounder, and a 2023 uh, first rounder. So I've had a, heard a lot of confusion from people I've been talking to, my friends. Is, is Stafford really worth two first round picks and a third? And the question isn't really that, it's about Jared Goff's massive contract. So I would say Stafford by himself is definitely worth uh, 
one, one, and a three. That's off the bat. That's that's probably Matthew Stafford's worth. That extra first rounder was to try and coax the Lions into taking Jared Goff's massive contract extension. I think this is a great deal for both teams. The Rams get a, a, a quarterback who, who can run the McVay offense and make, make the throws that Goff really couldn't consistently make. Uh, the Lions get a nice stopgap bridge quarterback to kickstart the rebuild. He'll be competitive, but I don't really think you'll be able to win a lot of games with just Jared Goff's arm. But I like this this trade for both teams. But it also kind of shakes up the quarterback market. We're we're starting to see that what kind of value we're gonna we're gonna get in, for example, uh, Deshaun Watson trades, Sam Darnold trades, all this kind of thing. So. As the season was coming to a close and the Jets were looking like they were going to be getting the first overall pick, Adam Schefter from, from ESPN reported that Darnold, uh, in a trade, would fetch a two and a late day three pick. So I want to say like a two and a five, a two and a four. Uh, he came out this week and said, now that this Stafford deal has gone down and the value of quarterbacks, especially in trades, has gone up a little bit, he believes Sam Darnold could potentially be traded for a late first round pick. Now, with this in mind, I, I, I kind of came up with a little, little trade scenario. Now, three-team trades aren't very common in, in the NFL. However, just hear me out. Let's see if you think this makes sense. So, let's say the Jets trade Sam Darnold to the Colts. The Colts hold the 21st overall pick as their first rounder. Let's say Sam's flipped for that 21st overall pick. So, now the Jets can trade number two overall, 21st overall, which belonged to Indianapolis, 23rd overall from Seattle, and maybe a 2022 second rounder to the Texans for Watson. Who says no? You get three three great first round picks in the top 25, a second rounder next year, which they don't have. I, I think this would be a great trade. I can see if the Texans would maybe want uh, a, a player here or there. Quinn and Williams is off the table. I would offer one, one or two of our young pieces on the defensive line, maybe a John Franklin Myers, a Foley Fatukasi, a Nathan Shepard, if they're interested in any of those guys. But I, I think this deal is, is very possible to get done. We'll see if Watson waves that no-trade clause for us. No one knows anything right now. It's finally time to get into the game of the year. Super Bowl 55 between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. So currently the Chiefs are three-point road favorites, interestingly enough, uh, because the Buccaneers are playing at home. The over-under is 56 points, and it's going to be 71 degrees with a 75% chance of rain. Typical Florida weather, right? So it looks like we might be getting a little rain bowl going on. So we have a lot of different storylines and narratives going in this game. You've got Brady versus Mahomes. You've got the Chiefs offense versus the Bucks defense. The Bucks offense is a story on itself coming in, into its own halfway through the season this year. In the first half of the year, they, they looked a little dysfunctional and jumbled, but they've really come into their own thanks to Brady and Arians over there. And the, the Chiefs defense, which has been pretty pretty quiet, they don't get a lot of recognition, but they, they, they are able to get a lot of key stops when they need to, especially in really important games. Take, for instance, the, uh, the, the, the Browns divisional game. They, they had a few key stops in the fourth quarter that really helped the, the, uh, the Chad Henney-led Chiefs offense to get that win. Regardless, uh, I think the, the real story of the game is going to be the offenses versus the defenses. So the, the Chiefs offense this year was first in yards per game and sixth in points per game. And the Bucks defense was sixth in yards allowed and ninth in points allowed. Then on the flip side of that, the Bucks' offense was fifth in yards per game and third in points scored per game, and the Chiefs' defense was 16th in yards allowed, 10th in points allowed. 
So obviously there's a big drop off there from the Chiefs offense to the defense and the Bucks and the Bucks offense and defense is pretty much like like both in the same area, top ten ish, top five. I think the real story is gonna be no question the Chiefs are gonna be scoring on the Bucks defense. Can the Bucks slow them down? And can the Chiefs defense even slow down the Bucks offense? I think at the end of the day for this game, it's gonna be a question of can the Chiefs defense play enough defense, bend and don't break, or come up with a with a, uh, a miraculous play here or there in order to help the Chiefs win the game. And that's how I think personally how this game will go down. The Bucks offense is great, but Tom Brady has been careless uh, the past week or, or the past uh, two playoff games he played in in the in the Saints game through one that was uh, dropped or I believe the the DB caught it out of bounds, but it should have been intercepted. And then he threw three, of course, last uh, two weeks ago in the, in the NFC Championship game. If he wants a chance at winning this game, he's got to clean up this ball, uh, the ball security, and really take care of where he's throwing that. I think uh, Frank Clark and Chris Jones will be able to successfully generate pressure on Brady, maybe force him into those bad throws that he's been making the past past few games. But uh, I also think the Chiefs secondary is, is up to the challenge of, of when, when, the, when those errant passes come flying towards him, they'll be able to adjust and catch them. Uh, the Chiefs, Chiefs offense is going to be humming. You, you know it is. There's no way they're going to be slowed down. I mean, even if we even uh, the Chiefs lost their one of their uh, starting tackles, Eric Fisher, in the AFC Championship game to an Achilles tear. So they're going to have both of their backup tackles because uh, Mitchell Schwartz opted out earlier in the season. But JPP and that Bucks pass rush is going to be coming after Mahomes all day. But the thing is, that's when Mahomes makes his, makes his best plays, right? Is when he's chased out of the pocket and he's running, he's looking downfield. That's when he does the no-look sidearm. That's when he does the 60-yard throw to Tyreek Hill who's running down the sideline. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't see a way that the Bucks are going to be able to keep up with the Chiefs' offense. And I think the Chiefs' defense will be able to make some stops when it counts. And in the end, I, I'm going to be picking the Chiefs to win this game, even though... <laughs> the past three weeks, uh, I, I've picked against the Buccaneers, and they've won every single time. But I'm, I'm still picking the Chiefs. I'm riding with Patrick Mahomes. You don't bet against Patrick Mahomes. I've taken the Chiefs to cover the spread. I think they're going to win the same score they did in the regular season, 30-27. to 27. That's, gonna, that's good enough to go over the over. And I think this is going to be a great Super Bowl in the rain. Hopefully not, not the, the weather won't hinder things too much. But just just be enough to add a little flair and uh, and signature to the game. All right. Well, I'm really excited for Super Bowl 55, and I bet you are too. So we got a great weekend of football ahead of us. Great great commercials. Hopefully a great halftime show. We'll see how that goes. But here's to a great Super Bowl and go Chiefs. You've been listening to a breath of fresh Jets podcast with Charlie Badweenie.